So, Ski, how was work going? Listen, I don't have time for your life story because it's time for a new episode of Sophia's Choice, a Golden Please Girls podcast. Please tell me podcast. that's recorded. Yeah, it is, of course, because as, as is tradition, when we have uh, somebody different doing the recap, we start off the episode a little bit differently. And uh, I, I'm Alan, of course, joined by Ski. Yo, and, yo. And today's recapper, Brent. Hi. Uh, so again, we're uh, doing episode five of season two. Uh, the name of this episode is uh, Isn't It Romantic? Uh, so we will go ahead and turn it over Spoiler, to... Spoiler, it is. Yeah, very. Um, <laughs> go ahead and turn it over to Brent for the recap. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm here to talk about Isn't It Romantic? It's a um, it's an episode that could get us in trouble, so that's why I will not deviate from my prepared remarks here. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so as long as I stick with the script. Scintillating. You're I, not going to be in trouble. Uh, so so we would also then have to stick with your script to keep ourselves in trouble? Or, you know, from... <laughs> exactly. So I've got cue cards I'll flip over. Oh, it's okay. your turn to speak. I thought that once you started your recap, it was incumbent upon us to just remain silent <laughs> until it was <laughs> done. <laughs> Interject as you will. Um, but I will say, um, when I get to... Uh, He's got some extensive notes. Mm-hmm. Lois Metals. Oh, okay. okay. I will just like breeze over her, but don't worry. We'll come back to her at the end of that scene. Oh, okay. All right. Fair enough. So, so anywho, isn't it romantic? Uh, original air date, November 8th, 1986. Okay. Um, so this aired two days after uh, the Beastie Boys dropped their third single mm-hmm. from the licensed to ill album. Um, that song, the new style, uh, the full album would drop one week later on November 15th, 1986. So November 8th was actually the 26th anniversary of uh, John F. Kennedy being elected president, in which, as we all know, occurred 56 years before November 8th, 2016, which is the day when Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by 2.8 million. I like that um, it, it's already a subject that, now I don't think any of the people at this table that it's controversial for at all, <laughs> but um, but it could be for some. Mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that you're also going to go ahead and throw some politics in there as well. A <laughs> <laughs> little, tr- little tinder for the fire. <laughs> exactly. I'm trying to establish our woke bona fides uh, right up front <laughs> in case things go south. Very nice, yeah. Build up a little goodwill. <laughs> <laughs> I would be, well... I would say I would be surprised if things went south in that department for us, okay. but I do remember your one of your other recaps <laughs> and, and should keep in mind that uh, you may be identifying with the yeah. wrong side of history here as well. Exactly. <laughs> so. So, right. so this episode was directed by Terry Hughes. Um, so this was the 15th um, episode of the 108 that he would direct. Um, and then the first five seasons, he directed 86% of the episodes. Oh, really? So then that last couple seasons, he really uh, dropped off then and yeah, handed it off to five, a lot of he others? dropped off and didn't do any. But um, out of the first 126 episodes, he did 108 of them. That's, yeah, that's a vast majority. Yeah. Um, so he won an Emmy for directing this episode. But actually, he'd won an Emmy the year before uh, for directing a PBS Great Performances production of Sweeney Todd. Controversially, you know, he had defeated Hal Gurney, who had been nominated for directing David Letterman's third anniversary special, which is controversial in my household. Now, in your household, I know that you're David Letterman fans, but I didn't realize that you were also Hal Gurney fans. Oh, big, big, big Hal Gurney fan. Okay. Um, I haven't the slightest I, idea who that is. He was just the director. Of yeah, Letterman's I don't show. know Did who do a lot or either. just mostly with uh, David Letterman? No, just his show. You know, just night in, night out. I don't know. 
As far as like people who have lost to Nemi, though, that one stings the most. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't give a rat's ass that Jeffrey Dutel lost his Emmy for writing this episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so should have worked a little bit harder. Uh, but yeah, Jeffrey Dutel, Emmy nominated, Emmy losing mm. for this episode. Losing. Um, I know we established last time I did one of these recaps that uh, Susan Harris had done a lot of work on Benson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeffrey Dutel never worked on Benson. Hmm. But he did have credits on The Jeffersons, A Different World, Rock, Hanging with Mr. Cooper, and The Steve Harvey Show. Oh. <laughs> so, so he definitely He had, did well, yeah. Yeah, did did well with uh, shows that featured mostly black cast. <laughs> exactly. Even though Benson wasn't one of those shows. Exactly, yeah. And I have no idea if Mr. Dutel is white or black or yeah. anything. So, anywho. Do you think the people use his last name in a lot of puns? Like, oh, Dutel. <laughs> um... I'm probably mispronouncing it. It's probably like Duddle or something like that. He's probably listening right now, incensed. Exactly. <laughs> it's I'm, Duddle, gosh dang it! I'd have to assume that he's probably not alive anymore. But yeah. I could be wrong. Yeah. Or if he is alive, he doesn't know how a podcast works. Yeah. No. Uh, Steve Harvey show, that wasn't that long ago, was it? No. 90s. No, but I mean, he had a lot of other uh-huh. stuff 2000s. there. And true. if he had, you know, done... A, I don't know. I mean, you figure this was 35 years ago that this was honored. Yeah. And so he would have had to been, I don't know, probably 35 at least at that point, if not yeah. in his 40s. So he, yeah. if he's still alive, he's got to be in his 70s or 80s yeah. at least. So Not in our demographic. Right. So There's so few in our demographic, though. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think I have too much to worry about. Yeah. So anywho, um, you know, I mentioned earlier. Uh, the Beastie Boys had dropped the new style right. two days before. So before we get into Act 1, Scene 1, I would just like to paraphrase the Beastie Boys' new style, if mm-hmm. I may. So 4 and 3 and 2 and 1, when I'm on the mic, the suckers run. <laughs> I'm with Alan and Ski, and you ain't. I got more juice than Picasso got paint. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, <laughs> so that I, I, I've I, got my favorite line now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like the idea that maybe this could be a Weird Al type style of episode <laughs> where you parody other things <laughs> throughout. <laughs> I hope that's just the taste <laughs> of what's in store. Just a tip. <laughs> so, um, speaking of just the tip, so Act One, Scene One starts with um, you know Sophia watching porn. Um, <laughs> based upon the VHS case, um, it appears to be a dubbed copy. I assume because Sophia's on a fixed income, she can't afford to rent her porn from a reputable establishment. Yeah, she has to just rent it from Vinny down the street or whatever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so Dorothy joins her, and upon realizing that Sophia is watching porn, uh, tries to fast forward to the money shots. Um, <laughs> so Blanche and Rose enter, and I'd say it's a gross mischaracterization. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure this is the first of many. <laughs> Probably the least gross of all <laughs> from a sociopolitical Please standpoint. Please do continue. Okay. Do tell. Uh, so Blanche and Rose enter, and we find out that uh, you know once Dorothy puts the film in reverse, uh, that Blanche has only ever dated one man on his birthday. Uh, we discover that Dorothy's friend is coming to visit. Uh, we initially don't know if the friend's name is spelled uh, J-E-A-N or G-E-N-E. Uh, we do know that Rose and Dorothy use female pronouns to address Jean Genie. Uh, so we find out that this Jean recently lost her beloved Pat after an eight-year relationship. Rose decides to make ice cream clown sundaes to cheer Jean up. 
And, you know, the fact that all the ingredients are already on the premises implies the Goldens are not afraid of diabetes. <laughs> yeah. I got to say, oh, go ahead. I, I was just, one thing, just to mention, it was incredible how, uh, how unable Dorothy was to work a remote control. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, she may have well just been pounding it with her hand as opposed to actually pushing it, but she looked so frustrated. She yeah. was having no luck getting it to uh-huh. just stop. I feel like at a certain point, you just turn the TV off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she definitely... Uh, maybe it was getting low on batteries. You know how sometimes it doesn't work when it's low on batteries? Uh, yeah, yeah, it could be. Or maybe they were just really playing up the stereotype of older people not knowing. <laughs> although, you know... Um, Sophia had no yeah. problems. But Sophia, you know, she's a modern woman, you know, even up at her age. Yeah, so... Well, I was going to add, though, like... So Rose disappears in the kitchen to make those uh, ice cream sundaes. Mm-hmm. She does so immediately, like almost immediately returns with everything done. Like, mm-hmm. seems like a very, for as, as uh, mm-hmm. specifically made as they are, yeah. it was a very fast job she did there. Yeah. yeah. Especially when they do show them later that salted caramel is like mixed in throughout the <laughs> ice cream. Yeah. Like it's folded in nicely. I, I do like that when she suggests that the Dorothy says, uh, if that doesn't fill the void, nothing will. Yeah. <laughs> well, then they don't even eat them though. No, well, at least not on screen. <laughs> so, All that um, waste. To be fair, you know, Eugene's not really big on filling the void. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, we don't know. <laughs> okay. So, All right. so um, anywho, uh, so once Dorothy and Sophia are alone, um, they discuss Jean's lesbianism. Uh, Sophia, you know, being, you know, wise and level-headed and practical and on the right side of history uh, is totally fine with it. Um, and Dorothy's more surprised that Sophia knew Jean was a lesbian than she is by the fact that she's so accepting of it, which kind of makes us wonder why she didn't, you know, approach the subject previously with Sophia. Yeah, you would have thought it would have come up at some point, um, mm-hmm. just in, a, in some other random fashion. Exactly. Um, that she would know, you know, at this point that her, her mom was very progressive when it came to that kind of <laughs> stuff. So. Exactly. Well, apparently she's known Jean for a long time as well. Right, yeah. So. I mean, yes, I guess like college. a childhood friend or college. Was college. It college? Yeah, 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 that's right. So, um, so Jean then arrives, you know, wearing a blouse and a floral sports coat. Um, I don't mention the sports coat because it's a lesbian thing, but oh. just because it implies that she asked Dorothy, who's wearing four layers of clothing, whether or not it's a chili in Miami. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least uh, Dorothy... Uh, told her to dress appropriately for their very well chilled house exactly Um, (laughs) the best uh, the best ac in the tri-county area yeah so 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 anyways you know gene arrives and you know after telling sophia how great she looks um gene pivots to asking where are all the girls um dorothy tells her that the roommates are in the other room and then dorothy takes a moment to clarify with gene about exactly how out she is and, you know, for the time in which this occurs, I think it's a sensible approach yeah. on the part of Dorothy. And I don't much care for Jean's attitude when she responds back to Dorothy. I thought that Jean, you know, handled it pretty well. I mean, yeah. I don't think that she seemed offended by it. I mean, I, I thought that, uh, you know, she basically was like, if your friends are okay with it, then mm-hmm. I will. And if not, then, yeah. you know, I'll keep it. Yeah. I, I didn't feel like she had a bad attitude about it. Uh, just the whole bit is like, oh, so you didn't tell them that. <laughs> I'm a lesbian. Like she seemed annoyed. Oh, I don't know. I would think that my first assumption would be like, you didn't tell them because you already think that they aren't going to react well to it. Um, uh, So maybe she was annoyed just knowing that, you know, so you think she just sort of implied or 
her immediate thought was that Dorothy was living with hate and hungers or something. <laughs> right, yeah, basically. Gotcha. So. Okay. So anyways, Rose then returns with five ice cream clown sundaes, um, you know, because obviously, like we just established, the Goldens keep their Miami house at 30 degrees year-round. Right. Uh, well, that's it, Mary. That's how it was so fast. Is she had the, the ice cream just sitting on the counter. Yeah, they probably were <laughs> those cold stone type things. You yeah. just slap it on the counter. And then you <laughs> exactly. So yeah. so, yeah, Rose wasn't concerned about the melting if Jean happened to be running late from the airport. <laughs> so, um, so, then Blanche returns, and it's established that uh, Jean will be in Sophia's room while the mother-daughter duo share a bedroom. So, I'd like to take a brief intermission to discuss Jean, as played by Lois Nettles. Okay. So, uh, we had multiple Emmy nominations and two wins across a legendary career. Uh, she spent some time playing Blanche Dubois in a production of Streetcar Named Desire. And she was also in the gymnast episode of Seinfeld. And she was the one who caught George eating an eclair out of the trash can. Ah. <laughs> Do you remember that one? Yeah, that was a good episode. Yeah. So, this could be like Blanche versus Blanche. Yeah. <laughs> so um, she was married to Gene Shepard at the time he wrote the stories that became the basis of the Christmas story. Oh, okay. Um, and it stated online that her character was named in honor of him, but considering he was a you know horrendous lout and still alive at the time, it doesn't really seem like they would have yeah. <laughs> named her character after him. So, um, so anyways, but one last thing about her that I found interesting. So she was in a TV series based upon the play You Can't Take It With You, uh, which was written by Kaufman and Hart. Um, but that's Moss Hart, okay? Okay. Who's no relation to the Lorenz Hart, who co-wrote the song, Isn't It Romantic? Ah. Upon which the episode was named. Because Lorenz Hart wrote that with Richard Rogers, okay? Now, obviously, this was um, Richard Rogers before he partnered up with Oscar Hammerstein. Obviously. Yeah, for Oklahoma, <laughs> Carousel, South Pacific, The King and I, and The Sound of Music, mm. okay? But Oscar Hammerstein um, was actually the president of the Dramatist Guild <laughs> right. immediately after Moss Hart was. Ah. Okay, but again, Moss Hart was no relation to Lorenz Hart. Who died on November twenty second, nineteen forty three, which is exactly twenty years before the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> Bringing us full circle, exactly. <laughs> so, do you think? Like you said, time is a circle. Exactly. I mean, obviously, everything you're saying is really, you know, well known facts. Uh, yes. So you're kind of, you know, beating us over the head with stuff that we already know so much about. Yeah. Um, you know, do, go ahead. Would you propose that there's some conspiracy given the dates of uh, that heart <laughs> in some way? <laughs> is both hearts perhaps are in some way uh, responsible for the Kennedy assassination? <laughs> in some way, you know, if I'd had another hour to do this, right? <laughs> we'd have figured it out. We'd well, I haven't even reviewing that Zapruder yes. <laughs> film. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say, I had planned since you're doing the recap to try and come up with some uh, fun facts. Uh-huh. They would have been wholly un- un- insufficient oh, yeah. <laughs> based on just the stuff you've brought up already. Cool. Well, I'm sure that the nice thing with the, those fun facts that you just mentioned is they're so easy to slip into normal conversation, you know? So if you're at a cocktail party and you're like, oh, I want to impress somebody with my, you know, knowledge, then you can definitely start slipping in the you know, Moss Hammerstein and <laughs> whatnot. Uh, exactly. So um, are, are you done with your... Uh, yeah, that's the end of my intermission. Oh, yeah, okay. I, I just wanted to mention one thing that I was a, I got nervous for a moment in this episode that I was like, oh, are they going to take it in this direction? Um, because, you know, Sophia, she starts off sounding, you know, very accepting, very forward thinking, mm-hmm. especially for someone who's mm-hmm. 80 years old in 1986. Yeah. Um, and then she says something like, why can't you be more like Jean? Mm-hmm. And then she says, scratch that, you know, mm-hmm. which... 
I was like, oh, okay. So is it a situation where it's like a not in my backyard kind of a thing? Like I'm down with it. You know, I'm okay with it as long as you're going to leave our house (laughs) in a week and go back to whatever other state. But I was, you know, pleasantly surprised as we go on. uh, Because, yeah, I was afraid like, oh, this is going to take a turn for the worse. But it did not. It did not. So, um, scene two is there in the kitchen. Um, it starts off with the majority of the Goldens having breakfast with Jean. Uh, Jean and Rose realize that they both used to be milkmaids, um, which does explain that whenever I get to the eighth day of Christmas and it's eight maids of milking, I immediately think of Betty White. <laughs> um, so then Rose and Jean decide to turn their meal into a meal in a movie. So now, are you going to now think of Betty White and... Um Jean, I can't remember her. Yeah, both of them. There'll be two of the eight oh, okay. maids of milking. <laughs> so now you just need to find your six other maids. Exactly. To fill the roles. <laughs> exactly. Um, I guess I could add Lily in there too. Yeah, right. she probably did do Sister. some milking. Yeah. yeah. So Lily, Rose, and Jean. So I got. What about Rose's maids. mom? Only five. Only five maids to go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. Um, I'll fill them in somehow. Um, so scene three's in the kitchen. It's later that day. Uh, Dorothy's enjoying her coffee. Um, Blanche talks about her first time being with a man in the shower. Uh, Sophia returns with a new videotape that most likely features a comparable scene. Um, Blanche pours herself a cup of coffee, and both her and Dorothy welcome Jean and Rose back from the movies. Different movies than the one Sophia rented. And then (laughs) Jean confides in Dorothy that uh, she started having feelings for Rose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there Blanche takes a nice shot at uh, at Rose. I think she says, because Rose is... You know, beside herself, uh, this these movies just have really moved her because I don't know how far away from their house the theater is, but she's made it back and is still, you mm-hmm. know, overcome <laughs> with emotion yeah. from yeah. them. When didn't she say there was the "Cry Yourself a River" like movie? Feature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But the whole thing was odd because she was like, "Well, I've got a late shift today. Do you want to catch an early matinee?" Right. But then I guess they saw two movies and it's nighttime when they come home. Yeah, it must so. be a really late shift. She's sort of in the graveyard shift at exactly. the uh, grief center, apparently. Exactly. Well, given her um, suicide rate, they probably told her to just take the day off. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's safer for everyone if you mm. if you're not here. Yeah, I like they said. Think they have one of those boards behind rows, mm-hmm. you know, that's like how many Zero days, days since a suicide. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, I think Blanche says, uh, oh, don't worry, that phony hair color won't come out just because you got caught in the rain. Yeah. Um, which I feel like Rose's hair color seems more natural. Yeah, than, than Blanche's does, but I agree. So, so act two, scene one's in Dorothy's bedroom. Uh, Dorothy and Sophia are in bed, and Sophia mistakes Dorothy for a man. It happens. Um, well, do you think that um, <laughs> that when Sal was poking Sophia in the back that it was indicated that it was, you know, with his... Uh, genitals. I assumed. <laughs> oh, okay. I assumed Not just that, that he was a bony man, but exactly. <laughs> that the way that he would signal Sophia yeah. that uh, <laughs> it was a night for love and was just exactly. start to assault her. Yeah. <laughs> Get ready. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Dorothy wakes Sophia up to discuss the possibility of there being a gay in their family. Uh, Sophia, again, being wise and tolerant and, you know, intelligent and, again, on the right side of history, uh, takes a sensible position. Um, and we're, again, wondering why Dorothy doesn't trust others to be as tolerant as her and her mother are. Right. Well, they were from New York. So yeah. you have to, you know, maybe That's she true. doesn't think that, uh, you know, someone from Minnesota and someone from... Uh, exactly. You know, the South. Yeah, the South would be yeah. as, as open-minded as, you yeah. know, Italian-Americans from New York. And plus, I guess they've been dealing with Phil all these years. So you it know, probably I, just prepared. 
prepared him for that eventuality. There's part of me that I'm starting to really wonder, like, do we, I don't know why we even have in our heads at this point that there's <laughs> something, you know, alternative lifestyle like with Phil, because I don't know. We definitely have heard from Sophia that she, um, Likes I don't know, isn't wild about Phil's, yeah. you know, lifestyle choices or his wife, <laughs> but we haven't actually heard anything to this point to indicate that Phil does anything outside of the norm other than that he's yeah. kind of a loser yeah. um, with a big family, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. But we've also only had four pieces of cheesecake, too. Well, that's true. <laughs> <So> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, I'm wondering if, if by the end of... the travel still. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and most of and these... back again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, our hearts are true, yeah. Um, yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I just... I, I'm just really wondering if at some point we'll be like, oh, okay, here's where this got into our head, or if we'll end up at the end of season seven and be like, oh, I don't know, I guess for some reason we just <laughs> thought that <Yeah. laughs> we just decided that Phil must have had, you know, some kind of a yeah. proclivity. But anyways, sorry, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so Dorothy decides to go one step further in the conversation to tell Sophia that Jean has feelings for Rose. Uh, they have a laugh at the situation, and their laughter encourages Blanche to join their slumber party. Uh, they tell her that Jean is a lesbian, and Blanche mistakenly assumes they mean Lebanese. Yeah. Um, she brings up Danny Thomas as a token Lebanese, um, and obviously, you know, the more famously Lebanese Jamie Farr sheds a tear about not being mentioned in two non-consecutive episodes. <laughs> yeah, it does feel like since they did bring him up in another episode. Yeah. And at the t- now, I don't know, I guess probably at the time even Danny Thomas would have been the more well-known name overall. Yeah, but um, as far as being Lebanese, right. think Jamie Farr would be the... <laughs> Yeah, I was thinking to myself at this this part of the episode, they seem to do a lot of skulking in the halls to hear each other all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm surprised they don't just keep a glass next to the door, you know, <laughs> for that gag. Listening but, glass. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyways, once they're all on the same page um, about what the difference between lesbian and Lebanese is, uh, Blanche is confused about why Jean wouldn't want a man. You know. Yeah, well, go ahead, sorry. I was just going to say, you know, she points out that Jean is attractive enough to have any man that Blanche doesn't want. (laughs) (laughs) The line's not actually said, but it should have been. Right. Um, And Blanche ultimately takes the position that it's fine by her. Jean has other interests. And again, it goes unsaid that this just leaves more men for Blanche. Um, Sophia stirs the pot a bit more by sharing that Blanche with Blanche that Jean is into Rose. Uh, Blanche is upset because she thinks she's the better option than Rose. Um, but she just needs to realize that not everyone's the chubby chaser that grief-stricken Milton was back in the job hunting episode. <laughs> so then the scene ends with the three of them acknowledging Blanche's worldliness. Now, I don't know. I think that you've done a, a good job of steering clear of the controversy so far. Yeah. Um, I don't know, though. I think considering someone who'd be after Rose a chubby chaser, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I'd say Rose is a very healthy size for... <laughs> well, no, but I mean... Saying Gene is not the chubby chaser the way Milton was mm. in going after Blanche. Like, that's oh, the reason. Oh, okay. So you're saying that Blanche is the chubby one then? Yes. Blanche oh. is the chubby one uh, per Milton. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's okay. how it was characterized in that episode. Fair right? Yeah. I guess I didn't remember that aspect. Yeah. Because uh, at the end, doesn't even. Rose was like, oh, Milton wouldn't be interested in me. He's a chubby chaser or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Um, after he'd already made a date with Blanche. So. <laughs> 
or hit on her. So, anyway. right. so scene two of act two in the living room. Uh, the following evening, the Goldens plus Jean wrap up a night of playing cards. Uh, Sophia uses her licensed ill to get out of sleeping with Dorothy another night. <laughs> um, it's agreed that it's Jean's turn to mistake Dorothy for a man. Although they are going to bed, Jean and Rose decide to stay up a bit later and play a few more hands. Uh, Rose manages to drop a line about her father's ignorance and about Jenny McCoy being St. Olaf's version of Blanche all within the same story. And it's probably my single favorite Betty White moment of season two so far. I did love I, I did love that. That was probably my favorite line of the show, at least, when she yeah. was like, Daddy was a very caring and ignorant <laughs> man. <laughs> I love that so much. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, I'm Mark what gives? <laughs> Jenny McCoy, that's what I'm thinking. Just the whole story was just so yeah. spot on. So, anywho, uh, scene three still in the living room, but much later that night. Uh, Rose and Jean talk more about their former partners and their loneliness. Uh, Jean still cannot respect Pat enough to mention their gender. Um, at two o'clock, it's established <laughs> that Jean will sleep with Rose. Um, and at 2.19, Rose is asleep and Jean's slinking into the bedroom. Jean tells a half-asleep Rose that she's the bee's knees. Uh, Rose snaps to attention when she reads between the lines and realizes what's happening. And then she kind of disrespects Jean by being dismissive of her feelings and pretending to be asleep. Snoring, <laughs> yeah. snoring very fakely and very loudly. Yeah. That was, and a heartbroken Jean goes to sleep on the couch. Well, that was the most disturbing part. I think that's the most <laughs> disturbing thing I've seen Rose do. Not so <laughs> much like... I. I get it. You know, I, I mean, I realize you're adding a little bit of a seasoning to your <laughs> to your recap, but I do understand the idea of like, oh, I don't know how to handle this situation. Yeah. But her with her eyes wide open doing that snoring thing yeah. was the most disturbing mm-hmm. sight gag, at least that I've seen yeah. Rose do on the show up to this point. Yeah. Um, I just think though it'd be really very indicative of the time though. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Oh, you mean that kind of a sight that gag? Era? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you mean it would be indicative that sight gag, or it would be indicative to not know how to handle the circumstance? I'm thinking that that attitude would have been very indicative of oh, okay. that part of the mm-hmm. '80s. Oh, well, sure, yeah. Um, so I think it probably fit right in as far as social activity or right. social response. So Act Three, Scene One, um, in the kitchen, uh, Dorothy Blanche and Sophia are trying to figure out with whom Jean slept. Uh, Rose comes in, clears the room, and tells Dorothy about her night with Jean. Uh, once they're on the same page, Jean enters the kitchen, and Rose takes command of the situation. Her and Jean have some coffee and talk about their evening. Uh, during the conversation, Jean finally refers to Pat as she, and you know Lois hits that word extra hard in her delivery. Uh, Jean says it was her own confusion that made her think that Rose had potential. Uh, Rose somewhat apologizes and tells Jean, uh, thanks but no thanks, for the offer. Uh, she gives Gina a hug as a consolation prize. Uh, Sophia comes into the kitchen. To I bet Rose her. gives good hugs, so that'd be a reasonable comp. You know, a reasonable comp. She does say something sweet like consolation if, prize. If my friendship will be enough or something, right? Yeah, yeah. that's nice. Yeah, she says like I don't understand. I, I like the whole scene. I thought it was well handled. You know, yeah. something like I don't understand, but I feel like if I did, I'd be flattered. Basically, yeah. so agreed. So yeah, so she's um, you know, hugging on Jean. Uh, when Sophia comes in to warn him that there are peeping toms in the neighborhood. And then Rose <laughs> says, not anymore. I killed Mrs. Claxton. <laughs> Another line you thought was missed opportunity. I did. I did. So, and then obviously we end the recap as we began with a bit of wisdom from the Beastie Boys, the new style. Oh, okay. So, some voices got trouble. Some voices got bass. We got the kind of voices that are in your face. Like the bun to the burger. Like the burger to the bun. Like the cherry to the apple, like the peach to the plum. 
Stay golden. <laughs> yeah, you don't get to do that last part. I, I'm willing to hand off your uh, skis duties to you, but <laughs> my duties remain mine. <laughs> so although you're, both of your, uh, you know, the rhymes you spit for... <laughs> You know, we're golden in and of themselves. Correct. So, so yeah, I thought uh, a really good episode overall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brent uh, does go quickly through his recaps. Um, Ski, did, did he get your favorite line in there? Um, you know, I don't know. I think, uh, come back to me. Okay. Well, you did watch the episode, though, correct? I did, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. I mean, the the daddy was a caring but ignorant man yeah. um, was definitely my favorite line of the episode. Mm-hmm. But there were other good ones, too. I, I liked near the end, Sophia said something to the effect of, uh, she said, Dorothy, there are a lot of things I want to try before I die, but that's not one of them. Yeah. I, th- I thought that was funny. Um, there, there was a handful of other ones. It, like I said, the one about the hair color, but the ignorant, her calling her dad a very caring and ignorant <laughs> man yeah. was my favorite for sure. Um, just that whole story. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good story. So, so Ski, who got your MVP for this one? I think I'm gonna give it to uh, Jean. To actually, Jean. yeah, I think she she won the Oscar for or not Oscar, but the mm-hmm. Emmy for supporting a- or guest actress mm-hmm. in this one. And how about you, Brent? Um, I don't know. It's neck and neck between her and Rose. So I guess I'll probably give it to Rose. Yeah, I think Rose gets it for me also. But it was, I thought Jean did great, but they didn't give her a ton of uh, comedy in the episode. Yeah. Whereas Rose had a good combo of, you know, a really good dramatic moment there um, yeah. at the end, but then also some really good lines. And like you said, that story was just yeah. fantastic. Um, yeah. And I guess Rose deserves it more than Jean does just because Jean was sort of a horrible friend. Like, she's supposed to be down there to visit Dorothy, mm-hmm. but she spends her entire week chasing, chasing Trim. Well, in fairness, I, you know, <laughs> Dorothy's kind of a shitty friend, too, because she has a friend in town. She's like, I'm not taking a day off from substitute teaching. Yeah, now. exactly. <laughs> so, you know, if I, if I turn down an opportunity to substitute teach, they, they may not call me again next mm-hmm, week. And exactly. Sorry, Gene. Then who will teach Mario Lopez how to <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> speak English? <laughs> So, Ski, uh, how many slices of cheesecake did this one earn for you? Um, I did like some of the acting, but I, I didn't think the uh, overall episode was one of my favorites. I gave it like a four. A four? Uh, what about you, Brent? Um, I'm going to go a six and a half total. Uh, five for the episode, one and a half for the recap. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so, six and a half, your, your, your rating that you're giving the episode? Correct. Okay, just making sure. Just making I, sure I that think, you haven't this whole time been giving two separate <laughs> ratings. <laughs> so I think I have decided on my favorite line though. It okay. was that one at the beginning about the BC boys. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love this episode. It was definitely one of my favorites. Um I, I think I'm glad that we're gonna at the very end kind of revisit the ones that get mm-hmm. the top scores because it's hard to really compare you know apples to apples but um Mm -hmm. or peaches to plum right exactly (laughs) (laughs) or cherries to apples i guess exactly but um i I, i'm gonna give this one a seven i mean i think i'm always reluctant to go all the way up to eight i know ski started giving away eights at the very onset yeah just Um, mm -hmm. left and right so i know that at the very end whatever the best episode is whether it got an eight or not Mm -hmm. gets an eight right you know um so i may end up feeling like I need to even revise this even further up but at least for now I'm going with the seven and, yeah and I think it's one that uh, although 
Ski gave it a lower score um, than you and I did, but I think it'll probably be one that's there near the end mm-hmm. of the season for uh, in contention for the best episode of season two. Agreed. And obviously they got the Emmy for it as well. Yeah. So, you know, unfortunately, Ski's bigotry <laughs> keeps him from. <laughs> Gosh dang it, Alan. <laughs> Now, Ski has always been one of the most uh, forward-thinking people. <laughs> no, that's not at all true, actually. Not always. Ski, as an adult, has been. But as a young man, not at all. As, unfortunately, I think most of us uh, as young men were probably not very uh, forward-thinking. Um, I know the Beastie oh, Boys mean? weren't. Oh, yeah. oh, are they not? Do they get in, uh, Do they have a lot of uh, lyrics and whatnot? That yeah. Are, yeah, yeah. Uh, especially off of this particular album. Oh. <laughs> it, it took them another four or five years before they finally <laughs> said that, you know, all this disrespect in a women has got to stop. Oh, okay. So Fair enough. They came around and they came around ahead uh, before everybody else did. Well, that's good. Hey, I mean, if they're beating the curve, you know, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. I think we all have some things said in the past that yeah. we would prefer to <laughs> not have been said. But um, There's that line that I quoted at the end. There's another line that's really, really similar. It's like... um. Like a lemon to a lime, like a lime to a lemon. I'm the super MC to all the fine women. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so did you leave that out because you were afraid it would alienate? Um, no, it's from. It's not from the new style oh, or okay. that album entirely. Oh, so it's you, from Paul's boutique. Well, so. I appreciate. I, I would guess it was sung initially the, by Gene. Oh, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would guess initially, uh, or out of the thirty-ish people that you know mm-hmm. will probably listen to this episode, at mm-hmm. least within the first couple weeks of it coming yeah. out. Um, you probably could have slid that in and I would have known any of the, been any of the wiser. I appreciate your commitment yeah, to yeah. integrity. The fact checker is going to be out in full force with the whole Kennedy thing. So oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to break out those laptops. Yeah. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. Come on now. Add more fuel to that fire. Let's right, make yeah. sure he's not lo- living fast and loose with those uh, facts. Yeah. If, uh, if Kennedy um, references, don't get you that long-awaited uh, comment on <laughs> iTunes. I don't know what will. So yeah. you're really pulling out the big guns at this point. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, with that, I guess uh, stay golden, Coco. Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at Sophia's Choice Podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at Sophia's Choice PC. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden. Okay, so, so starting off, you want "Don't Fear the Reaper" as the first song with your friend or or a friend, a friend a playing friend. the cowboy cowbell. Yeah, okay. and that'd be song one at your funeral. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, unexpectedly, like, right. Maybe we'd go in for like, I don't know, they can play funeral, like yeah. soft music before or something. <laughs> but then, <laughs> and then uh, the last one I definitely think is going to be Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, that makes that sense. It's one of my favorites. Do you want everybody, like when they do the breakdown, you know, and it starts like, Dun, do you want everybody to be headbanging yes. in the church? or definitely. <laughs> so. Yeah, like I said, I, I have a few songs picked out, but I also kind of want to do a thing. Like, one thing I was thinking about is making boards of, like, Allen through the decades, you know, so that those are already ready and people didn't have to mess with that. Um, my whole thing is just making it as simple and easy for the people playing in it as possible. Yeah. 
I want my in and out in like two hours, mm-hmm. first thing in the morning. That way people take the day off work. They got the rest of the day to do That's whatever. Sweet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were thinking just so that in that way people wouldn't have to take a whole day off work. They could just come in, you know. No, that way they can stick it to the <laughs> right man. Right like, to it. Yeah. I've got a funeral i got to go to. <laughs> Your boss isn't going to expect him to come back after that. <laughs> do you think before you die you'll go ahead and try to... I don't know, get married a few more times so that people get three days of bereavement instead of just the one. <laughs> <laughs> now, I have uh, not heard of a lot of evening funerals. Have you guys? Uh, no, no. So, I don't think it's typical. I've heard a lot of evening like, showings. Showings, yeah. yeah. But uh, then they specifically said Thursday night for the uh, mm-hmm. you know, the Cosby show conflict. Yeah. I think, did he say Friday night after that? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know how the whole thing works because, I mean... They may not, that may be all that they have because I don't know if you can bury somebody underground in Miami. Oh. So it's all mausoleum stuff. Water. So it's just, you know, slide them into a wall. <laughs> That's interesting. I never even thought about that. I don't know. I think I'm going to do mine. That way it is in uh, Louisiana, yeah. in New Orleans especially. I think I'll request, even though I've talked about it being very simple, maybe I'll request that my funeral be a midnight mass. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. I have actually played around with the idea that. Instead of having those songs, I'd pick whatever longest songs I can possibly find. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, like, Brink can help you yes. with this. Super long, like ridiculously, like, yeah. like drawn out. Yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's long periods of uh, time where you're just sitting there crying or something mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. probably laughing a little bit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> He's dead, finally. <laughs> well, Brink, didn't you say that you were listening to, what's the longest single Grateful Dead track that, I mean, off the top of your head. The longest that I listen to on a consistent basis is the playing in the band from like May 21st of 1973. And it's like 46 minutes. Okay. 46. <laughs> and I love it so much. Um, Do you have a drive like regularly that gives you enough time if you decide that like you're feeling that you want to listen to that song that you have 46 minutes to get through it? I mean, yeah, I can start on the way down to Franklin and back. Oh, you know? no. So, um, or I'd listen to it like... I could listen to it on my way to Muncie mm-hmm. as long as I hit play once I got off like 69. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I love it so much. Mm-hmm. So, like, it starts off like it's someone playing in the band, okay? And they do their thing, okay? Um, and then about four minutes in, uh, Donna Jean was with the band at the time. And so she does her soulful wail, okay? And then when she's done, um, Bob and Jerry just start doing their thing, mm-hmm. okay? And then they continue to do their thing for a good solid you know, like 41 minutes or something like that, okay? <laughs> and then um, then the groove sort of comes back together, and Donna Jean does her soulful wail again, and then they hit the riff and then wrap it up with the final verse, okay? But all I've ever done is heard it. Like, I've never seen it. I don't know if there's a video of it or whatever. So I have... Oh. Right. No idea what Donna Jean's doing for those 41 minutes. Like, I don't know if, like, she left the stage to get a corn dog or something. Gosh, and they're just. I really got to go. Yeah, just like, going. exactly. Gotta... So, so they're just riffing until she gets back to the stage. And yeah. then once she does, they take it home. Or is she just standing there the entire time just waiting for them to sort of come back to the point so she can do her thing so they can wrap it up? Hmm. I That's... don't know if it's a heart before the course That's type like, thing. Exactly. Exactly. What is Donna Jean doing during this time? It's like, listen, I know we're a jam band, but... Exactly. (laughs) Y'all jam. I just stand here. (laughs) Right. I'd like to think that she, like, signals someone off stage to bring her up a chair. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. 
Maybe take his nap. You right. can really take a nap in yeah. 20 minutes for sure. Right, you ready? <clears throat> Test. You guys mind if I make 25 more calls real fast? Oh, real fast? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> he can order another dinner. Yes! <laughs> I'm so hungry still. Do you want to go up and eat your no, sandwich no, real I quick? I was totally joking. Okay. 